Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Craig Ferguson Fancy Rascal stand-up tour continues this fall. For tickets, go to thecraigfergusonshow.com slash tour. See you on the road! My name is Craig Ferguson. The name of this podcast is Joy. I talk to interesting people about what brings them happiness. Meet Bill Villanova. Bill's an undertaker. He's graduated in mortuary sciences. And he is one of the most interesting conversations I think I've ever had. Enjoy this one. I want to talk to you about your job, but the thing is, before we talk about your job, because looking at your story, it's, I mean, you're a decorated Coast Guard, right? A decorated member of the Coast Guard. Now, the Coast Guard is an area of the service that I don't know much about, and I don't think many people do. Can you talk me through what the Coast Guard does? The Coast Guard, for the most part, uh, they're, you know, on duty uh, 24-7. Right. Uh, you know, they're uh, underneath the... Uh, Department of Homeland Security. I had the honor of uh, working alongside some very, very talented men and women. I was with the Coast Guard Auxiliary, and uh, just so what, had, do you, what do you do then? Do you get on a boat and yep, catch we, bad guys? Yeah. So, well, no bad guys, but we right. uh, did safety patrols alongside the actual Coast Guard. Right. Uh, we also had, uh, you know, we we worked alongside them on some ships as far as their, you know, working in in galleys and doing uh, port security during Fleet Week. And uh, we, we in New York, yeah. yeah, you need a lot of security for that. Oh my god, <laughs> you that's do. still a thing. I've forgotten yeah. about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, all it's right. very big, both uh, and in all, all the port areas here, you know, along the uh, the west coast and the east coast. But, um, you know, as a career, I've always been dedicated to funeral service. But for me, it was always about volunteering 
and giving back to the community. And when That's I very interesting. yeah, thank you. Yeah, and yeah. so when I was younger, I, I started volunteering uh, with the the fire department in my local community. Right. And I saw the opportunity to participate with the uh, with the U.S. Coast Guard in the auxiliary program. So I started to do that as well, and uh, did that for just about ten years until my life became more demanding. And uh, then you, you really you really can't serve too many masters. Right. I get it. So so let me let me talk to you a little bit about the funeral business which you ran and which you're still in, right? Yes, sir. Right. So because it's an unusual thing, my presumption is it's a family thing or is it something you were drawn into? Because you are someone who's clearly drawn into service and and in a way, funerals are, are kind of that, aren't they? Absolutely. It's definitely a service your, industry. Your intuition's correct. So w- was your family in the business when you were a kid? Is that how you were you were pulled into it? When I was younger, I would uh, cut the grass at my godfather's funeral home, and and uh, oh, right. I would uh, paint the stones on the driveway, and and then help with visitation and funerals. And my dad died when I was sixteen, so the male figure in my life was my godfather. So I spent a lot of time at the funeral home, right? And it was a a normal transition for me to go into funeral service and having that opportunity was, um, I, I don't want to say it was simple because it was a lot of work, a lot of dedication. Ultimately, sure. I had to go to college and, and get a degree in mortuary science. Is that really, I, did, I wasn't aware that it was so tight. Te- well, I guess, it, of course it must be. I mean, it's wide and varied and we'll get into that in, in a bit. But I guess, you know, the tragedy of your father dying when you're 16, which is awful, and I'm sorry about that. That's a very tender age. Doing something which I'm guessing is getting the interest of a lot of the other kids at that time as well. Did it make you feel kind of weirdly apart from it, or did it give you a kind of... Did you feel like, uh, this is something special, and it's my family does this, and we feel a little... I did feel special. Yeah. You know, and uh, and even, you know, funeral service, you know, wakes and visitations, you know, would go to nine, ten o'clock at night. And my friends were ready to go to the bar. Oh, you and... see, my people, we go for days, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like... So you you went, you had this opportunity to, yeah. to work in, in a profession that was really, it's a celebration of life like it is today as well. Right. And so it was a, it was a normal thing to be around that. It delayed me getting to some of parties and, and doing things with my family, even holidays. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, death doesn't take a holiday, Craig. Sure, and yeah. so you're always available to a family, and that's something I learned at a, at a young age. So it's kind of a vocational position, then, right? It's not a job for everybody because mm-hmm. you're dealing with a situation. You're dealing with death. That's what you're dealing with. And and in our society, not all societies, but in our Western society, there's still a big taboo and a kind of a lot of fear around it, right? You know, th- there is. Uh, it, and it, it is taboo. Uh, there is some fear. You know, people feel that if you speak about death, it's going to happen. If you discuss right. funeral services, you know, you, automatically you're accelerating your own mortality. It's like you're inside my head, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's good, too. Uh, so, but, but that opportunity for us to have those discussions about funeral service. It is taboo, but we should be having those discussions now. Sure. And, yeah. you know, when, when we think about all the things that we prepare for, so I prepared to come here today to be right. with you, and thank you again for having me, Craig. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. And uh, we, we prepare to, you know, where we live, who we marry, where we go on vacation, all of these things we prepare for. Right. We should prepare for our funeral service. It's really a gift for our families. Right. Have you got yours done? I have everything written down. Um, right. And I, like, I, a, like a will, sort of. Like idea. a will. I have a lot of information there. But, 
You is know, it going to be elaborate? Is it a big one? It is going to be elaborate. Good I, for you, man. I'll share part of it with you. Okay. So my thought is that uh, as I leave church, yeah. uh, if we can, yeah. uh, when I enter the vestibule in the rear of the church, the okay. doors will open, yeah. the vestibule will be filled with smoke. Love the it. The casket with the pallbearers would go into that smoke and the doors would close. Oh, this is great. They would hustle me down the stairs to the hearse <laughs> and the hearse would pull away and then everybody would leave the church wondering where I went. You, you've gone. And, and only my family and friends will know where I am. Uh, that's beautiful. And All right, you, let me, let me now, tell now, you. Now you're one of my friends, Craig. I'm going to let you know exactly where I'm going to be. Where are you going to be? I don't know. Oh, okay. But I'll let you know. All right, well, here's mine. I need you to, A, tell me uh, technically possible is, and B, later on, maybe give me an estimate price-wise. So I think in Scotland. Absolutely. Okay, uh, I'm on the beach in a Viking longboat, right? I'm tied up there you know, on the, the pyre that will be lit. As the boat's pushed out on a flow tide, right, I'll be pushed out, and as the wind takes the sail and carries my body to sea, my two sons will fire flaming arrows into the boat, and the boat will burn as I head out to Valhalla. So, uh, is that normal? Is, is that... <laughs> <laughs> well, is it normal today? No. But was it normal at one time? Yeah, Absolutely. Sure. But, you know, just to ground that conversation, we're a society that's based on rites and rituals. Mm -hmm. And so, for you to even say that, now, whether you're joking or not. I'm kind of half joking. Right. All right. But that is something that if that's if that's what you aspire to have happen, then you start to plan that now. Right. Right. And so if we do need to speak to, you know, uh, the councilman in Scotland. Right. Because you need, I mean, they're not going to let you just put a dead body in the, in the water. You got to get a permit. You got to. Yeah. So if it can happen, we can make that happen. All Pretty right. much that's how we approach every day. At Frankie Campbell. Do you get a lot of unusual funerals, or are, they, are a lot of them kind of cookie cutter? Uh, no, where uh, Frankie Campbell is is uh, is anything but cookie cutter. All right. What I what I mean is, do a lot of people want? I like the casket here. I want the thing here. I want the church here. These are the you know. It'll be uh, Rock of Ages. It'll be Amazing Grace, and uh, we'll all go to the churchyard, and then it's ham sandwiches and. O'Malley's. Right. Okay. So the first thing that we do is we always approach every funeral and we sit with the, the immediate members of the family. We make sure we put our pen and pencils down and just listen to them. Get an understanding of what is important to them. How can we celebrate this person's life? Now, whether you are 50 or 85, whatever your age, mm. you have a legacy and it's up to the family to share that information with us so we can create a service to celebrate that person's life that's both personal and memorable. So nothing's cookie cutter. We, we approach everything fresh. So whether it's music or decor, yeah. uh, a specific casket yeah. or... If the dry ice or the Viking boat, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and maybe some... And we have some families that have multiple space, multiple places for services. Maybe there is a service in New York and then maybe there's another service that's in, in Glasgow where the disposition, final disposition will be. So that's when the, when the body's put away. Correct. How do you protect yourself? Because death has such a, you know, it's it's painful. You know, it's painful because you're saying goodbye to people and you don't want to say goodbye to them so most of the time. And even when it's time, it still uh, contains grief for the living, obviously. And there are there will be certain deaths, I'm sure, that you've dealt with for you, like this is, I, this, you know, someone who's too young, someone that was a tragic accident, you know, whatever it is, a, a, a youngster. A, I mean, something that's really hard. 
Is there a clutch mechanism that you can put in for yourself to protect yourself from that that pain, or do you feel all of that pain? Craig, every director that I know that's a, a, a good funeral director, as much as we want to shelter ourselves from these very emotional events and the loss of a child, an untimely death of someone, uh, or maybe, uh, you know, it was a couple that just celebrated their 75th wedding anniversary. Right, yeah. There are these special moments, and it's up to us to be in the moment and to be with them. And it, it, nothing nothing prepares you for that. Right. But you hope that, that I guess... Do you get better at it as you've been doing it longer? I think, I think you do get better at it because we then are able to maybe talk a little bit more. When you early on you really don't know what to say to the family. Right, you know, of uh, is, is this the awkward moment where I should be giving someone a hug and embracing them and right. and letting them know that it's okay to to grieve or even to laugh. Yeah. And but we we need to be there for people and and, and that is that's what's important. I remember that from my parents' uh services. They died within three years of each other. And I do remember at the funeral service, looking to the funeral director for for guidance on how to be, because I didn't know how to be, and I figured it wasn't cognitive, but I guess the the reaction was, I'm looking, like, I don't know how to be here, how should I be here? And, you know, to his credit, he was very good, he's like, sit here, there's your dad there, this is how we're going to do it, we're going to, you know, and then we're all going to walk over here, and we're all going to do this, and somehow that structure was comforting, I think, because there is the, the great unknown, that you're dealing with and literally in the room. So let me ask you about this because we're all human, because we'll all die. Has you, you know, you as a young man at your godfather's funeral home, right? You see dead bodies for the first time, I'm sure. And and that's something that many of us still don't see uh, throughout our entire lives. But you see that and it will have an effect on how you view the world. Because everybody's experience does. Do you have opinions on life after death? Do you have opinions on what goes on afterwards? Have they changed from when you were 16 and first doing it to where you are now? How, how does it look for you now? I've had the, the, the pleasure of being around a lot, uh, a lot of clergy. And uh, our conversations, I've been asked a lot of questions, and our conversations have been challenging sometimes, right? Because mm-hmm. clergy, you know, uh, whether you're a priest, a pastor, a rabbi, you know, they're the pillar in that religious community where they have their belief. Right. And sometimes these conversations challenge that belief uh, as well. Right. I do believe there is something greater, that there is something that is more powerful than just us here today, mm-hmm. right? And whether it's a feeling, maybe it's a hope, maybe we want to feel that, that mm-hmm. gives us this hope for an afterlife. But I, I can share a quick story with you. Sure, please. Uh, years ago, a friend of mine came to visit me, and uh, we were sitting in the lobby of a funeral home. And at one point, we both looked to the same direction, her to the left and myself to the right. And at the end of the conversation, she turned to me, she says, uh, earlier, when you looked to the right, what did you see? And I said, I kind of thought I saw somebody walking past the the uh, the door. And she says, how would you feel if I told you I saw the same thing? So we looked at each other. I said, what are you talking about? And she said that people transition from one state of life to another. 
and they have to show themselves before they can fully transition to where they need to be. So I was surprised to hear that from her, but that, and now, so I was in my 20s when we right. had that conversation. It kind of drives things home a little bit. So uh, I kind of hope that there's something great for us, you know, or, or we just complex organisms that, you know, have a, you know, a, an acuity to, to do certain things and to build and to be a uh, performer and, and do all of these things. And then we die and it's all gone. I, I don't know. It seems like a lot of getting dressed up for nothing. If, if we're that complex and interesting, and then it all just goes away. It feels like, it feels like a shame. But I think that my personal belief is that, and, and it wavers from day to day, but my personal belief is that I think that we've got time wrong. I think that's what it is. I think that we think time starts and moves forward in one direction all the time, and that's that's what happens. And I'm not entirely sure now I, I think that's what, what it is. I think time is different. How 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 is? Well, in the sense that everything exists all the time at the same time, but we travel through it in our conscious. But it still exists. And what I mean by that, there's a and I'm gonna be I'm gonna really bad at this, but the idea of traveling in astrophysics, I think it is, there's a guy called Professor Brian Cox who did a wonderful documentary about it on British television, and he talks very eloquently about this, and he's a professor of uh, physics at Oxford University, and I'm a vulgar lounge entertainer. So he's a better source <laughs> for for the information. But basically talking about the idea of that everything exists all the time and that for the, the you and your friends sitting in that funeral parlor 40 years ago, 30 years ago, whenever it was, 20 years ago, that's still there. But now your thinking is here mm. and your being in the moment is here. But that's still there and was always there and will always be there. And, and the universe exists like that. Maybe I need less coffee and no hashish ever in my life, but it, it's too late for any of these things to have happened. What about, are you a religious man? Does it? I, I'd say that I'm, I'm religious, spiritual. Spiritual, but do you, do you attach yourself to any particular, and like, are you a Catholic? Are you a, I, I, I'm Catholic. Right. But that's probably more background as much as anything, right? It, it, it's background. Um, you know, I do believe that we we all have some type of a religion that that we connect to. Right. For me, it, you know, it's Catholicism. Uh, in my twenties, I went back to the church to sing in the choir because I felt that that was important to me at that time. And um, I hope that everybody has whatever it is for for you know each person for you and for everyone that there is something that they have, and and that's. That religion for me is Catholicism. I, Craig Ferguson, will be on the road once again this fall, bringing the Fancy Rascal Tour to your region. For tickets and full list of tour dates, go to my website, thecraigfergusonshow.com slash tour. Come and see me live, or don't. I'm not your father. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. 
Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What about the mechanics of mortuary preparation, which is, I mean, until today, I did not know that it was something that you had to go to. I mean, I obviously, I imagine there was training involved, but I didn't realize that it was something you needed a degree in. And so, obviously, it's an involved and uh, complex subject. So, Craig, you, you'd probably be surprised, if, obviously, you were today, uh, to hear that you, you go to college to get a, a degree in mortuary science. Right. Uh, afterwards, uh, you take your national board exam for any, like any profession, you need to take a board exam. Right. And then we complete a, a year-long residency, just as a doctor. It's like doctor. a doctorate, then. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, Possibly, yes. And then you take your state law exam in the state that you wish to practice, like an attorney. Right. And and then you, you start your career in funeral service. It's very interesting to me because it, the question I want to ask you is that how complex is it? Is it about the preparation of the remains? Is it, is it about, what does it consist of? I mean... The education c- consists of anything that, that is in and around funeral service. Right. Uh, so, and it's the basics, though. 
right? Just like in, in any profession, you know, you can learn certain things, how to, how to do it. You know, you can go to a trade school and learn how to cut wood. Right, uh, but you know, you do need to get more advanced uh, in your uh, in your training and your apprenticeship to right. learn how to build a wall or build a house. So this gives us the basics on what are what are the basics. So the, so the basics could be um, how to conduct a funeral. Uh, right. You know, the components of a funeral. So it's an emotional training uh, as, as well as a physical training. Of course. Yeah. You know, uh, the standard, which a, a, a procession, a cortege, uh, which, you know, who goes first, the hierarchy in families. Right. Um, and, you know, where the pallbearers need to be. In some churches, the casket will be parallel uh, to the altar. Right. Uh, in other churches, it's perpendicular. Right. Uh, you know, when we're talking about services for families of the Jewish faith, you know, right. those funerals happen as soon as possible. And right. then if you have, uh, you know, uh, yeah, my people, Christian, then, yeah. your people, right, oh, man. right. You, you, I think you my know. mother was around for about two weeks. Yeah, it could could yeah. be right. So, and and then that that is you know several days of uh, a visitation. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I know that in some uh, some communities, I think in in, uh, in England and Scotland, you know, even though there are funeral homes, they still have visitations in homes. They sometimes right? do. Yeah, I think mostly now. I mean, I think you can do it, like you say, but I think mostly now it is in it is in funeral homes because. It is, I think, to do with the volition of, of the mourner, so that you're not put in a position where you're suddenly in the room with the deceased, and nor, particularly with kids. Yeah. You, you, so you can say, would you like to see grandma? Would you not like to see grandma? You know, I mean, it's... it's uh, I was with my mother when she died, and then they asked me, to, you know, when they said, would you like to see her? And I was like, no. You were with her? Yeah, she she's gone, and that's what's left and I, I didn't think it was necessary but everybody's different you know and I know my, my brother and my sisters went to see her and I don't know it, it, it seems like it's a very personal thing it seems to make you very empathetic you seem to care very deeply about what people feel is that part of your training or is that who you are no it, it's who I am yeah. uh, you know and that's uh, you, you're trained to you're trained to complete tasks in, in any profession, but in funeral service, you're, you're trained to complete tasks, right? Uh, and you know, and prescribe methods, or uh, whether it's a policy or procedure, uh, whatever we have to do, possibly with preparation or with logistics, working with uh, churches and, and outside entities, and you know, transportation. That that's that is just day to day. But it really, a good funeral director, you know, needs to connect with people, needs to connect with families, and and right. and have the ability to. Be mindful and be present. So that's you. You can't teach that. You know? have, you, have you ever been at a funeral and been dealing with someone and you thought, "I really dislike this person intensely," even although they're going through a terrible period in their life or a very difficult period in their life? Like, I, I, can't, I can't wait to get away from here. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been in situations that have been trying. Yeah, uh, and um, I may not I may not always agree mm -hmm. uh, with things that are happening uh, around me. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm a professional. Right, and my focus is to do my very best for everyone. You know, I think that if I was ever put in a situation where I felt morally or ethically compromised, yeah, um, I, I would need to take a big pause and question whether or not this is something that I want to continue. So, you, with. so you've never been in that situation, then? Yeah. I, I haven't, and and, yeah. and part of it, I don't think it's luck, Craig. I think it's you know yeah. the way that we approach our services, the way that we approach everything, that we kind of set a standard. And uh, we we set the parameters, and I think everybody kind of works within that, so we don't let things get out of hand. 
What about if you get a situation where someone wants to have an open casket for the deceased? And it, perhaps it's been an accident where the results are, you know, dramatic and, and difficult to look at. Is it part of a mortuary preparation to try and create, you know, a, a, you know, to try and give the person a look which is not going to alarm the mourners? Is that part of it? Absolutely. Uh, our ability to, uh, you know, pr- part of our preparation is embalming. Right. And that is to... What, what is embalming? I'm not well, quite it, sure what that is. Certainly. It, it's, a, it's a temporary pre- preservation. Right. Uh, so we can uh, make sure that a family's loved one uh, is in a state that is uh, as appealing or as pleasant as possible. Right. Uh, and in situations where someone dies of uh, an extended illness or if it was a tragedy uh, right. that, was, uh, that compromised the person, we... We put a a tremendous amount of effort and use all of our talents to make sure that a family can, if they wanted to have an open casket visitation, if they wanted to even just have a private time together, that we can afford them that. And and that is important more than you you know, Craig, because I have had families that said, oh, you know, we we don't want to see mom. But then a month later, they say, was mom in the casket? Oh, really? Or, you know, uh, I'm wondering, you know, did she have her dress on? Or, you know, did she have those rosary beads with her? Mm. And that's why it's so important to just, even if it's just a half an hour together. Do people ever take photographs? Because now the phones are everywhere. And people take, it's like they don't trust their own memories anymore. So... So people have to have a photograph of things. Do they photograph dead people? I'm, I'm sure people do. You know, one of the policies that we have for our staff at the funeral home is we're not allowed to use, you know, our phones uh, in, oh, obviously in, in, in those, staff, in those yeah. areas. But uh, we can't control uh, what a family member does. And I'm sure it happens, right? Because that that's, that's, so... that's our society now. Yeah, no, it seems so kind of... Uh, I don't know. It does seem a little odd to me. So, what's the what's the wildest one you've done? Have you ever done a funeral and you thought, I don't even know where we're going to start with this? Where the hell are we going to get a helicopter and three <laughs> confetti cannons? Well, we've had some uh, some uh, quite unique. Uh, uh, we've had unique funerals. We we work with private charter uh, jet companies uh, that uh, help us with transportation. So, if someone yeah. dies uh, and they're rich and they die far away, they can get jetted home. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and if uh, and if need be, uh, we provide transportation. Can you, can you like come that. home and spare airlines? If <laughs> do they have a service too? Uh, I, I don't know spirit, but we do do private private aircraft. Uh, well, private and, and aircraft, al- and there's also commercial aircraft. That's as what well. I was going to yeah. say. I yeah. mean, look, the way I feel like legroom at that point is not going to be an issue, and so <laughs> if if you're going to just like go home in a box, you go home in a box. It's. Uh, well, you know, part what of what I'm saying is, yeah. if my wa- <laughs> honey, if you're listening, and I peg it overseas, don't splash out. Keep the money, and I'll come home. You know, coach, or splash out and call me, and, <laughs> and, I, and I will. You're working. And I, and I will, you're working. I'll send the jet. <laughs> so what? What about the fact that you socially? You know, the idea that you, I mean, you're a very gregarious, upbeat man. I don't know you well. We just met. But you seem like a very engaged and cheerful individual. Best friends now. Yeah. Yeah. So what what is it like socially, particularly for a young man? Like, you know, at the time of your life when you're looking to maybe meet someone and, and get, you know, what's it like <laughs> being at a party? Go, well, 
I, I'm studying, I'm in mortuary science. Uh, I can make you look great, but only if you're, you know, <laughs> Or if dead. you're horizontal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it really is, it's a, it's a conversation starter sometimes, and mm-hmm. it's a conversation ender. I remember one time, a friend of mine, we were at a club. Uh, it was actually in Stanford, Connecticut, mm. and uh, we were having a great time. We, we met a couple people there. And as soon as this one woman, uh, you know, she found out that I was uh, a funeral director, mm. and that's where the, the conversation uh, uh, ended. Right. <laughs> but I'm guessing at the same time, look, I can introduce you to some emo girls that would just go crazy <laughs> for this stuff and be like, oh, my God, he's so great. Are you a family man? You have kids? Yep. I, I'm married. I have, uh, have three children. So how'd you, how'd you meet your wife? Uh, through a friend. Uh, had a, a great friend, Louis. He invited me and her to a, a New Year's Eve party. Right. I got there early, like I did today. Right. I got there early. I uh, drank a bottle See, of... See, here's dad. the thing. I want to tell you something, by the way, about now that we're best friends. You're an undertaker. No one wants to see you early. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> like, be late, man. <laughs> the last possible minute. All right. So, you, so, <laughs> so I get to, I get to this party early, and right. I, my my uh, there was a, a bottle of homemade wine there, which was absolutely tasty. And I drank this entire bottle of wine. Okay. I fall asleep on a chaise lounge, mm-hmm. and uh, in walks uh, my soon-to-be wife Sandra, right. and turns to our friend Lewis and says, "Where's this guy you want me to meet?" And oh. there I was sleeping on the couch. By walk- now, at this point, you and me are still very similar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happens? You, 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 I mean, obviously, you, you two, you guys start going out together. Was she yeah. intrigued? Was she? Had, was she, did she know the business at all? Well, she knew who I was. Um, yeah, I don't think she knew the business, but right. um, you know, she. I guess she understood that I was a you know decent fella. Right. And um, and that was uh, really what was important, really. Sure. It was important for me, too. Did you, like, take her, you know, to look at the funeral home and stuff? Because well, yeah, I, I have this image in my head. I'll, I'll tell you where this comes from, because it's not really from you. My wife, when she was very young, she her best friend, when she was a little kid, the family were undertakers. So she, when she was a little kid, they used to sneak in and look at the dead bodies that were in the... You know, waiting no while way. they were like, yeah, and and I think it made her who she is today. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a, a very well-rounded uh, individual. <laughs> so, so was was there because there is it's it, there's this kind of salacious, forbidden. Oh my goodness, what the heck? Uh, yeah. You know, did that play into yeah, it? At uh, all? No, not at all. You know, right. uh, and, and you can and you can tell through our conversation here. I will tap dance right along that that edge with the conversation, oh, of and I'll never I'll never pop to the other side. Right? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so, you you have practice in this. You I do. So you know, thirty years in funeral service. The you know the only profession I've ever known, uh, and and I've had the opportunity opportunity to share so many important stories and, and have right. conversations with folks. And it's important that I feel comfortable about my profession right. so I can share it with you the right way. Right. Uh, so for my my friends, uh, for my uh, for my wife, for my children, I've, I've always they've always been part of me and work. And so it's and so it, it contains less of, do you think for your family the idea of mortality contains less fear? I would say so. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I would say so. You know, they, but I think they also, uh, I, I guess, appreciate life a little bit more. I like I, that. I, and I can't tell you how many times I've been in the car on the phone with a family. I'm driving it, and, and I know I'm going to have this conversation on on the Bluetooth, and I'm right. telling my 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 children, "Be quiet." You know, daddy's on oh, an important right. phone call, or I'm in the house running from room to room because the kids are crying, and I just need to get to a quiet space so I can speak to a family. And and those are things not just that I do. Every funeral director goes through that that has a family. Right. Because so they're speaking to someone who's just lost their loved one. And you need to afford them that opportunity. You need to be present for them. And you need to put your family on hold, you know, whether it's 15 minutes or, or an hour. It's fascinating because in our conversation, clearly what you are is, is a very empathetic, very sympathetic, very caring human being. And yet the stereotype of the of an undertaker is more kind of like the victorian vision of death you know the the man in the black stovepipe hat with the it is your time <laughs> sorry i'm here early <laughs> <laughs> well you, you know and, and it, i'm glad that you mentioned that so well in in, uh, in the uk you you have uh, the funeral directors they still wear the, the morning suit they still do right? yeah, yeah so we still wear um, we wear a morning suit but with a contemporary jacket no tails right uh, at frankie campbell our directors wear that suit and uh, we still believe in uh, in some of the things and, and that uh, that was is done in the UK, like paging way. So if you ever see the the funeral directors walks in front of the hearse, in front of the hearse, yeah, that's paging way, and that's we do that today, right? right. So when we have a funeral and we're leaving uh, from Frankie Campbell, we're coming on to Madison Avenue, right? You'll see that there is a funeral director walking first by himself. And then here comes the casket being shouldered by our, our casket bearers, and the family follows behind. You know, so and it's New York, so people are leaning on their horns. And, 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 yeah, and, yeah. and guess what? We shut the street down. We shut the sidewalk for you, down man. for everyone. Good and for that's you. important. Yeah. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, "Well, I had this career before, but it was a waste." And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. 
someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When I was at my father's funeral, which is one of the saddest days of my life. Um, and that this was in, in, in Glasgow? Yeah, in Scotland. It was about, uh, gosh, it's a while back now, maybe 17 years ago. So I was at my father's funeral. And when we left the church, we go to some other place. I can't remember. It's for services. I guess it would be the crematorium or something. There was a big area. And my father's casket was piped in by a bagpipe who was maybe the worst bagpiper I've ever heard in my life. And my brother and I are pallbearers, and we were, I can feel him, you know, we're, as we're walking down with my dad on our shoulders, and I can feel him starting to laugh. He's getting, we're, you know, we're, we're cut up, but he's giggling, and I can feel his shoulder going. And then, of course, I started, <laughs> I started to laugh. And we're walking in, and all the pallbearers, who all loved this man in the casket, are just weeping with laughter and trying to hold it in. And of course, everybody else there knows what we're laughing at. And this piper is carrying on murdering Amazing Grace, murdering it. Um, It lent something to the experience. I'm pretty sure I heard my dad giggle a couple of times (laughs) as well. Has there been moments where you thought, I can't contain my laughter. I'm going to have to excuse myself for something. And and that it happens. And, And the family's laughing. Right, so right. so there are uh, there are uh, times uh, whether it's at the funeral home, at the church, at the cemetery, where the family makes a joke, right? And y- you want to laugh along with them, and sometimes you try to fight it back because you need mm. to be professional, right? And that happens. But along along the way, we we learn little little things to even provide a little levity, and and so I'll, I'll share one with you. You know, at the cemetery, uh, sometimes a family will turn to us and say, you know, please invite every back to uh, everyone back to, uh, uh, you know, six. 30, uh, you know, Madison Avenue. Right. And, you know, I may turn around and say, everyone's invited back to 360 Madison Avenue and the family will turn around and say, no, 630 Madison Avenue. I'll say, please don't go to 360. They're not going to be ready for you. There'll be no food. You have to, <laughs> so you, you gotta, you gotta know when to, you know, these little tips and tricks. Yeah. You, you have to, the, the days of being this stoic, Funeral director that's unapproachable with a with a, a gray face. Those days are gone. You know, families are changing, uh, uh, communities are changing, and we need to be so responsive t- to that. You know, and, yeah. and to understand that this isn't about uh, you know what it was. We need to be what's happening now, and that that's about the celebration of life. 
That what I I mean, you talk about communities are changing and people, you know, America, particularly New York, you know, I mean, it's just wave after wave of new culture coming in and has always been that way. And so there are different ways of dealing with the dead in, in, in different cultures. Do you do non-Christian or Judeo burials? Do you do Muslim uh, burials? Do you do, I, I don't know, I can't think of other ones. I mean, Shinto, I mean, what do you do? We serve every culture, every race, mm. uh, and... Do you have to bring in people, for example, if you're doing like a Japanese funeral, do you have to bring in guys that you know can deal with that? Correct. And you know, if we're, if we're working with a with a, uh, a Buddhist family, right. we, if we need to bring in a, a Buddhist monk or whatever it may be, we, we identify all of the very best resources for every family. All right, so you pull it together and you, and you make it happen based on the faith of the... Correct. Of the families. Has there ever been a, a point where you've thought, you know, I don't think we can do this one? You know, no. like if like if someone says, you know, if it's a a Satanist or something, you go. Uh, well, we haven't we haven't got that far yet. Yeah, uh, you know, so I don't think society has crumbled that far. That that, <laughs> that your old, your faith is touching. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that uh, that we we have uh, we have that type of uh, of, uh, of services happening, but uh, no matter what we do, we do have to base uh, a service around the person. Right, and so if it's if it's uh, religious, if it's a ritual, maybe the family is not religious at all, mm-hmm. and, but they want to create something that's memorable. Then mm. maybe it's you know maybe it's around it's around music, you know maybe it's music around, seems to play a huge part in it, right? Uh, yeah, you know, and it's um, you know what I, you you wouldn't know this, but I grew up playing in a bagpipe band. No, my father. I wish you'd have heard this guy; you'd have been outraged. He would have been horrible. Yeah. Right? So my, my dad was he was six foot four. Mm. He, he looked like he came off of the Dewar's bottle. When he, when, <laughs> I'm so, familiar with the type. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, playing the bagpipe band with my dad, and so if um. Music is important, and uh, the bagpipes, you know, is one of those instruments. You know, it's either going to bring you to tears, mm-hmm. or it's going to make your blood boil and tr- get out of my way. If the bagpipes are playing and I need to get something done, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a call, right? But music is important, and whether that is live music, whether it's uh, music that's being played in the funeral home, someone loved Elvis, they love the Beatles, whatever it is. That is important, and and you have to listen. I I, I mentioned about being present. Uh, we were meeting with a family once, and there's a trumpet player. Uh, last name is Bati, and uh, family mentioned how much they love to listen to this gentleman play trumpet. And I left the arrangement office ahead of the other director, and I went to our system and I put this trumpet music on. And as she walked into the lobby, she looked over at me and she pointed. She says, "You're special." Oh, that's nice. But that's what we try to have, for, right. not just for me, but for everybody. But I think you get a lot of joy out of this. I mean, the, the, this is what I find intriguing. The, the, it's not just the satisfaction of a job well done. There is a sense of uplift in what you do. Because I, I, are you frightened of death? Oof. Wow. Now I am. Like, I, I, I'm frightened for I, I would be... I'd be scared to die now only because there's a lot that I... You have kids. I have kids, yeah. and there's a lot that I, I still want to do and want to accomplish. Right. But I, I think at some point in my life, I, I think I would embrace it. I hope that if I get to, to this final hour where I can turn to my family and friends and say, I have lived a magnificent life, and it's oh, you're going to be sad, but, you know, 
I, I'm, I hope. Uh, right? You're going to be sad, <laughs> but, you know, and, and I want you also to be happy yeah. about all the things that we have done together yeah. and the celebrations that we've had. And, and maybe, listen, who agrees with everything that your family does? We've, we've had some arguments too, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, but that is, um, I'm scared now, but I, I hope that I can find peace in the future where I can uh, share this legacy and, and people can celebrate my life. So we discussed you uh, very briefly. We discussed your you're a Catholic you're a, and that's your faith. And in the Catholic faith, as I understand it, which is reasonably well, I think, there is a continuation of consciousness after death. I personally have my doubts about that. What about you? It doesn't make you not a Catholic, by no, the way. I, I, to, no, I, to doubt I, is I not to be. You and, know. And, and, and you're right. And, and listen, uh, through doubt, uh, through question, you know that's that's how you, you reach these these higher levels. And whatever faith, it may be. faith without doubt is not faith. It's something else. If you, I, I really believe that. If you don't have doubt, then how can you possibly have faith? You must. It, it is an essential component. It's like uh, it's like the B in a BLT. You got to have it, or it's not what you or say it not, is. Yeah. Right. So I, I do believe that there is something after. I do believe that that we 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 move into a different level. Right. Uh, and, and and that's about that that afterlife. Uh, you know, the, the the consciousness. Does it happen? Uh, is it is it is it seamless? Uh, is it uh, is it interrupted? Does it does it stop? Is is it in a different form? I, I don't know. I, I mean, who knows? Uh, there's a lot of people that say. Are you they, comfortable not knowing? Yeah. See that? I think that's very evolved position yeah. to be I, in. I I I could say I am comfortable without not knowing. You know, you don't need to know how the hot dog's made, right? Right. And I'm comfortable not knowing that. Right. <laughs> I got it. I got it. What about, what frightens you now? What, what kind of a death? I mean, I presume you haven't been around, or maybe you have, I don't know, the actual moment of death for many people. You usually, your work begins after that, right? I, I, I had, uh, a couple of years ago, I had, um, uh, was my brother-in-law, actually, right. uh, I, you know, my hands were on him when he passed away. I was right. with my sister-in-law, and it was very emotional. Um, yeah. And I'm glad I was there right. um, f- for him. I'm glad I was there. Were you guys close? For her. Yeah, I'd say we were close. Right. Um, you know, and and, uh, and it's actually brought me closer to my sister-in-law, uh, you know, from that, that point. I think of we have it's a much yeah. different relationship now. Sure. Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's interesting because it, I feel that obviously it has a, an emotional impact on you. And I hate to see anyone uncomfortable or, or upset. But the idea that someone you care about passing still upsets you, I think is a huge testament to your humanity, given the fact the field in which you work. And I, I have made a complete 180 on on what I think about, because I had, I think I had a rather grisly fascination with what you do for a living. And just having spent some time in your company is, is very interesting because it, you demystify it a little bit. You don't take any of the pain away, yeah. but you've demystified it a little bit. Is that how it is for you? I, I guess that that is what I want it to be for you. Yeah, and that's what well, I want it to be. Great for, job. Yeah. I want it to be for, for everyone that we can uh, that I can and funeral directors can share what we do and we can be honest and let people into, you know, our, our circle. 
Yeah. And to help people, uh, help people, you know, come to grips or, or maybe they need to realize that funeral service is something that is very important in, in today's society. You know, if we were sitting here years ago, we wouldn't have a plastic cup or, or, or a paper cup in front of us. It'd mm. be, you know, a china or glass, right? Right. Uh, you know, today everything is very disposable. We need to guard ourselves when it comes to funeral service from it being just about the disposition. We have to think about the service itself. We need to celebrate that person's life, and and it, and and you need to. That's one thing the Catholics really do well. <clears throat> I mean, it, you got to give them that. The the, I mean, you guys go at it. There's like all sorts of prayers and ups and downs and joining ins and here and there and smoke going and lights flashing. And I'm like, man. But the thing is, I have noticed if you go to a a funeral and it's conducted for me, if it's conducted with. Uh, pomp and theater, there is some kind of weird closure at the end of it. it the, the grieving process is facilitated by that. I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah, you know, Craig, so if, if uh, you know, I, I, the way that I can, I can kind of couch this for you is that, you know, there's always a, a two people sitting in, in the back of the church, right. right? And the two people are either saying to each other, when I go, don't do this for me. I don't <laughs> want any of this. All right. That means you're doing something wrong. Right. But if those two people are sitting in the back of the church or the funeral home and one buddy nudges them and says, you better do this for me. I yeah. want this right here. <laughs> then you know you're doing something right. Yeah. You're striking this chord and and you're, you're saying to people, hey, listen, it's okay. You know, play ACDC, you know, at my funeral. Right. You know, I don't want to have... You know, a bunch of, uh, I don't want to have a bunch of, you know, cut flowers. Bring in some trees for me, you know. Nice. Uh, you know, do something. Are you going to have the trees? Because I know you got the smoke with we the casket the smoke. going out the Absolutely. door. Absolutely. Are you going to have the trees? You have a high Catholic mass. So we got we got the priest there. We got all the. Are we having the choir? Uh, well, uh, I don't know if we'll have the choir. I'm I think we got to have the choir. I, 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 I'm, okay, and, and we're definitely not having that bagpiper from Glasgow. You know, we'll, we'll get we'll get a we're going to get a good piper from the FDNY. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, yeah. Get someone from New York where they can play the thing. <laughs> the no, no. To be fair, he was the only bad bagpiper here in Scotland, but. So he definitely was not uh, at the at the Edinburgh military tattoo. No, 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 no. This guy, I don't know if he. I think that it was his first day. Oh yeah. Uh, and he, and I tell you one thing, I did see. You can tell me if you think this is wrong or no. I thought it was very bleak. So at a gas station in Scotland, about uh, I don't know a year ago or something, I, I was there and I was getting gas, and uh, a hearse pulled in the to get gas. Now they need gas like every other vehicle. I get it. Yeah. But there was a casket in it. And the guy gets out, the, the guy who was driving it, he goes out and he goes, goes into the gas station. I don't know what he got, like gum or something. And and, and then came back out and he gets in the guy and he drives away with, I don't know if there was anyone in the casket, but I, I got to figure there was. Well, you, you know, you know, we always try to um, when for for there's when there's long distance funerals or long distance transportation. Oh, maybe it was that was that. Yeah. yeah. So you know, there's and you caught him probably at the the one time, right? Right. Uh, and it's limited the amount of time that uh, you have to bring a uh, a hearse into a gas station. Right. But usually it's during a a, a, a long distance transportation. You really have no choice. Right. Uh, and that I, I have to believe that that's the reason why he did that. 
Well, you know what? I think that it's touching and and good that you. I think it was probably just a Scottish guy going. Oh, I need petrol. <laughs> <laughs> I need petrol. Uh, you've got your old. Ah, never mind. Old McPherson wouldn't mind. Uh, it'll be fine. He was never out of this petrol station. <laughs> Finnegan's Wake. There you go. <laughs> Bill, it's been an absolute joy talking to you. I I wish you well. Uh, Thank you. I wish you success. And I feel that your business is, is it really genuinely the only recession-proof business? Uh, it may be one of them. I don't know if there's any other ones. Pizza, making pizza. Uh, yeah, pizza. And there's, uh, or maybe uh, discount haircuts. Yeah. Because yeah. I figure, like, uh, if you get poorer, you still need a haircut. You still need and a if you haircut. Get, you'll make a little more money, you get a haircut. Yeah, you know, yeah. so maybe discount haircuts, <laughs> undertakers, and pizza. It's a fascinating world that, that you inhabit, and I... I'm really uh, touched by our conversation. I, I, you, you're wonderful. Uh, keep going. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Greg. Thanks. Appreciate it. Cheers. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth, no matter who you are, that mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.